Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Nickelback. They released How You Remind Me just after we released A Waste of My Time. So they, for lack of a better word, they cock-blocked us. Over the entire world at Rock Radio, they were number one and we were number two. And we were on tour with them. They took us out on tour. Episode 380, Dallas Smith. Dallas has more number ones, I think, than any Canadian country artist in history. He has the most, 12. Crazy. I'm a big fan of the guy and his current work but also i loved his band default or default as i called them but after i hung out with him he kept saying default and i was like well if he says it's the name of the band that's what it is but you would know default from wasting my time and that's the jam so and the question was because that was 2001 and they blew up pretty quickly. Some of these artists don't like to talk about when they had a different, not even trajectory, but kind of a different genre life. Mm-hmm. And I wondered that with them, like, do you still play that song? And I just thought his answer was cool. And I liked how he, he approaches it. So I don't know. It's really cool. I, I'm, I was pumped that he came down. I think he came down basically just to do this, yeah. which is extremely complimentary and enjoyed spending time with him. Again, his name's Dallas Smith. Follow him at Dallas Smith Music. You can even go see what he looks like. I prefer to do that on podcasts sometimes because if I'm going to listen to somebody for an hour, I want to know what they look like so I can visualize them talking in my head. Do you ever do that? Yeah, I do that a lot too. Uh, he has a new single called Singing in a Beer. Here you go. I hope you enjoy this. Dallas Smith. By the way, CCMA, Entertainer of the Year, 1920 and 2021. A massive, massive, massive Canadian artist, and he should be big here in the States. And I'm rooting for him, and here you go. Dallas, how's it going, buddy? I am great. I am fantastic. I've been a fan, casual and even more than casual, for a long time, just depending on what project. And I guess my first introduction to you was I worked in, I mean, I've worked in every kind of radio over the years, but pop, hip-hop, alternative, obviously country. Mm -hmm. I'm from a very rural part of um, Arkansas. But 
I guess I was introduced with Default. We used to play that song all the time. I'm wasting my time. Yeah, that's the one. You, I thought when you would come in, you would have a much, like you're normal. I, you know, you're uh, just, you have a lot of tattoos, but you're like a normal, approachable, warm guy. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Vancouver-based uh, father who plays music, and I'm just a, man, I, yeah. Your I'm voice just, is very, you know what I like about your voice in both, in, <laughs> in whatever iteration, especially now. I've, I've become a fan of you now more than I ever was then, because mostly sure. it was on one song. Yep. Now it's a body of work. Yeah, okay. Obviously. Yep. yep. But, you know, I guess I just, you have a, I have a really wimpy voice. You have a really strong. People are always like, especially in the default stuff, it was more of aggressive vocal. And when they would meet me in person, and I'm heavier than what I was when I was, you know, 22. I was like a buck 60. <laughs> and people would be shocked uh, that I wasn't 6'2 and, and two, 200 pounds or something. Do you live primarily in Canada now? I do. It's always been my home base. I, I live, um, I walk my daughter to the school that I went to grade eight. Wow. Uh, at a fine arts school. Just did in, you always stay in that same? I always did. I always did. Um, yeah, I, I got married uh, my early, well, I was with um, my son's mom from my late teens. And then we went through that whole touring process and the default thing and the big hit and um, had a, a boy who's now going to be turning 18 this year. And um, I've had some different, you know, uh, opportunities down here. Uh, different deals and um, been very fortunate that way. But uh, I would spend like a week down here and the idea of me not being involved in my son's life, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So it's, 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 kept me, it's kept me on the West Coast and really, really close to home. And I think that's really done me a service in um, like how I grew as a person. And um, it, it gave me a different perspective on what my like my it changed how my records would have sounded Meaning if i was down here not influenced by you, what is here yes yeah um i've kind of just kind of done my own thing with the guide of of um some great songwriters down here and um a really good supporting system with Joey and Seth and and the camp at Big Loud yeah Vancouver's basically Seattle it up, is right it is yeah yeah so you think um gloomy and rain and 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 that and that is that is us for a for a good chunk of this time of year yeah I've said to a few people over the last few years because I I felt like you were predominantly in Canada but yeah. I was like man this guy like he deserves a shot here it's just as you know it's that infrastructure and them kind of committing to supporting you here and maybe they think it's a bit more difficult because you're not. I don't know. Have you have, have you guys had a conversation about hey what hey what about this single in the states? Because I know we've played. Yes, I program a national countdown show, and we did one two. Yep, right with you and McKenzie. Yep, and I played that here, and I was like, man, the song is good. Like, what is that conversation like? It's 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 funny because I listened to the the podcast that you did with Joey, and the one thing that Joey said was that yeah, he's committed to work in Canada, and I I remember I I, I picked up on that what he said, and and I've always had. Like I had Tipping Point, that was a, a bigger song. It was on the highway, I think it was. I remember, on. yeah. Yeah, I hit the top of that one and Wasting Gas did well. I've I've had little I've had songs in here that that, that um you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, maybe if I blah, blah blah if I was down here. But mm -hmm. um yeah, it, it was just never really a thing. Like I was signed to Big uh, Big Machine for a with that with Tipping Point and I was I had a release with them and stuff, but I remember one of the guys, the head guys there was like, So when are you moving down? <laughs> and it was it was that moment of like, ah, yeah, okay. How yeah. old is your youngest child? Is it 18? Or do you have a younger no, one? No, no. I, I have, uh, she just turned two is my little two. one. Yeah. Okay. So I got two 
And then my my middle, my daughter is um, she's gonna be nine here at the end of the month. And you are because Garth went back home, right? Yep. And he lived in Oklahoma. He, yep. He was like, I'm gonna go raise my kids. Yeah. And that was obviously of the the extreme importance to him. So that's what he did. You know, he yeah. just said, Nashville, I got to peace out. I'm gonna go raise my kids. And so I was gonna say, if you're 18, was the youngest, you could come on down. Yes. But, but I've got other. I've, yeah, I'm just. I'm just. I my, respect that. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's one of those like the, your moral, your moral guide and kind of what you want your to look back on. And family is a really, really important thing. And I, I never wanted, um, you know, my my uh, lack of being there to be a consequence for my son. Like, yeah, and my kids. Yeah. Have you? And I have. I do not follow many people on TikTok. I just expect everybody to follow me. But have you? Um, do you post new music on TikTok? Do you go out and play? Man, I, coming from like, I got into music just because I love performing music and music. I didn't get in there to, to promote myself. And I, it's one thing that I really have a hard time with and I have to get better with. I'm record label breathing down my throat about doing that kind of stuff, right? So I, I, have, to, I have to get better at it, but I'm not on TikTok a whole lot. I was going to say, because there are artists now who in this space, and I'm going to get off this, but I guess my frustration is you're so good as a songwriter and an artist. I hate to see something as trivial as proximity hold you back. And I know it does a bit just because of how the people here work. And it's so dumb. But like a Zach Bryan, for example, mm-hmm. blew up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Really good. He does not live here. Mm-hmm. You know, he still lives in Oklahoma and tours all over the place. And, you know, TikTok being utilized in that way a lot. It's like, you're just so freaking good. Like, what's what do we got to do to get people to give you that look? But honestly, a lot of that stuff falls on the artist um, so that just kind of goes back to that. Needs to be. I need to be better at that because that's a lot more eyeballs on me um, if I get comfortable doing that. Uh, but that goes back to it's not really why I got into it, <laughs> you know. But it is what it is. When you grew up, what was your what was home like for you? Uh, home was um, it was a great place to grow up. I mean, the Lower Mainland of British Columbia is a gorgeous place. Um, school was good. My parents were my parents are really 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 good people. They were they came, musical at all? Yeah, my mom was in uh, Sweet Adeline, so women's professional choir. So I grew up listening to her doing warm-up scales and, you know, practicing the harmonies and different, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she used to go to me um, for, like, her pitch and stuff, and I'd be able to tell her at a young, young age. Do you um, think, just you guessing, I'm not going to hold you or, or fact check you, or hmm. do you think that your ability to sing and to, because you said you heard your mom doing it very young. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was like intrinsically part of you because it was her, or do you think you were just around it so much that it developed? I, I don't know. I, I got the sense from my parents that music was was more than a background thing. It's 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 part of my soul and like part of my being is 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 music um, and songs, and I, I got that from them. I think. Um, Who did they listen to growing up that you remember going? Oh, everything. I had I had everything. Um, it was a lot of a lot of female. Um, it was Judds and Reba, uh, Katie Lang. Your parents like country music too. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I actually Langley, BC is its motto is where city meets country. So it's it's kind of the outskirts of Vancouver and and a lot of equestrian uh, farmland and uh, all surround. Like I, I can I can literally hop in my backyard and throw a, hit a cow with a rock. <laughs> so it's that type of place, right? And um, it's it's changed over the years, but it's. Uh, it's yeah so it was like that it was a real mix like kitty lang actually lived down the street um in uh in the area that we live in and it was around um cmt canada was played all the time 
And then my dad, like they shared the Beatles. Uh, they shared a lot of that stuff. Um, but it was like Stevie Ray Vaughan and um, uh, Zeppelin and lots of stuff like that. It yeah. sounds like whatever, whatever it was, it was soul-filled, though. If it's country or obviously Stevie Ray Vaughan and Zeppelin, both yep. extreme soul-influenced artists. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff really blended together, like looking back on it. I mean, like the Doobie Brothers stuff and like, you know, it was, it was what was country and what was not country at the time would be different now. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's it's I was I was filled with a real a real uh, broad um, musical palette. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the Doobie Brothers would be a country act now. Absolutely, I think so too. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just it reminds me of um, like kind of I don't know if it's the right one, but uh, uh, not Zach Bryan, but um, uh, to me, it's a all, it, with the, obviously they're they're males, but Little Big Town because just because of how their voices all blend together, yep. the Doobie Brothers did that a lot. Yep. Michael McDonald. By himself, he's a, obviously just a, a beast. One of those voices that you just yeah. know, you, you know that voice when you hear it, yeah. yeah. So your parents listened to a lot of country, a lot of, well, it just sounds like anything that was soul-based, but when your yep. mom was a singer, though, what did she sing? What did the choir do? Oh, it was Sweet Island's Choir, so it's, it's like, it's like old-time, like, uh, yeah, it's not cool stuff at all. <laughs> but is it so not cool that it's actually cool? Uh, it's, no, it's not that far cool, no. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that right and and um so but my mom she had like my aunt was in that with her and it was a really part of her social network and um the music was really in our house were there guitars time. in your house yeah my dad played guitar and, and sang and stuff it wasn't around as much as my mom was my mom was more up front but my dad played guitar more and stuff when he was younger was he someone who wanted to be professionally an artist and for some reason didn't work out i don't think it went that far i think i think it was a hobby thing that he did um but it was something that I saw him do, yeah, as You're a kid. Pretty reserved guy. Me, yeah, yeah. yeah. My my wife is the not reserved one. My wife is is out there for sure. So it, she was this an issue as a kid? Yeah, it was. Um, so this this is a really cool thing that uh, like why I'm thankful and able to come on here is like, I have a different story and I'm able to tell this one to a new audience. But my my start was um, very different, and this goes to like the Joey connection and things, and um, I. I would sing and stuff when I was a kid with my mom and just in general. And then when I was about six or seven, that kind of age where you kind of get awkward, you, you start, you know, thinking about how other people view you and stuff. I got extremely shy and I went completely internal. Um, and it, it like to a crippling point throughout high school, anxiety, just not knowing what men- mental illness stuff was, was as a kid just wasn't. Right, but looking right. back on it, we were not educated. We were, we were about the same age. We weren't. It was not a thing. You're just weird. You're quiet. Especially or you're in rural parts of wherever, there are other things you have to worry about. Yep, and you're not really taught. Yep, yep. So you just you're just kind of like in white knuckle mode, and you're just kind of getting through. Um, it was a, it was a good childhood, but there was there was definitely some things that uh, yeah. So I was I I didn't sing at all. I just shut up and became extremely shy about it. Did you and do it sing in your own room though when no one was around? Car, yeah, oh yeah. So you yeah. would enjoy it, but you wouldn't want to do it in front of. It people. was a personal thing. Sure. It was something I didn't share with anybody at all. Um, and it, I was one of those kids that went home from school, uh, and I had a couple hours before my parents would get home, and that was my moment to myself. I didn't have to worry about any, you know, toxicity at school or whatever was going on with that kind of stuff. Um, Were you picked on at school? Uh, at times, at times I was picked on, and then you know when you get, just being honest, when you have self-esteem and like anxiety and things like that that's your experience you lash out as well so that's that's things that i look back on my childhood that i wish i had approached differently did you get in trouble 
Um, not a ton. I think, I think like I had a really good vice principal at my school and I think he recognized that I was a good kid and, you know, I just had, I was the odd one out at times and there was something different. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was my experience of mostly high school. And then I had made some friends, um, uh, did you sing at all in high school and anything not publicly? No, man, nothing. You, none. No, no, that's what I get, what I get to like I, my first time singing was, uh, with the drummer of my sister's old band, my younger sister, Danny Craig, who was, um, ended up being the drummer in default. And that's where we rehearsed. I, I, I wanted to show up one day. I had a couple drinks on a Friday night and I, I personally just wanted to get over the fear of singing. Like I was just, okay, I've got to take a step forward and break out of this box that I'm in. Really enjoy this. I have to do it. And I had no intentions of it becoming a career, becoming it something that I was going to, it was just something that I wanted to do as a person and show that I could do. And we, I sang Plush by Stone Temple Pilots. Just you two? Just my, the, the drummer and Jeremy Hora, uh, who's ended up being the guitar player for Default. We just jammed that song. And like within the year, we had a U.S. record deal. Do you remember that evening or morning whenever mm-hmm. you decided to sing with those guys? Because it sounds like that that was a moment for you because you, there's a big monster. You got to go fight the monster and the yep. monster is your shyness. Um, you go and sing. Like, can you vividly remember that evening oh, yeah. where you're like, I'm just going to do it and telling those guys you wanted to sing? It was freeing. I remember that. I remember that. Um, it was the first time I'd really taken that, that big scary step forward with something um, that really freaked me out. And that really freaked me out, putting yourself out like that. Um, yeah. Well, why though? Why though? Like why that night? Why that time? Oh, Honestly, like, this is getting into, like, um, but, like, negative self-talk. Like, just, I, my, my, my self-confidence was nothing. But it sounds like you have aware, you had awareness. I have awareness now. But it sounds like you may have had some sort of awareness then. If you're thinking to yourself, I've got to go, I have to do this because I'm in such a place. Because I don't know why you would even go and yeah. go, you would put yourself up against something that was uncomfortable unless you knew you needed to be uncomfortable yeah, to break I had, out of something. I had no other outlet. I had no other outlet, and that was more of a survival thing, I think. What were you doing for a job at that point? I worked at uh, Canadian Tire, which is like the hardware store. Big, um, Not a cross- tire store? Not a, well, they sold tires. That's how they started, I think. But it was like, uh, yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, what would that be down here? A home, a home Depot or something like that, yeah. So you're doing that. And what was, and how old were you? Put me to an age range. So I, I first sang with those guys when I was 20. Okay, so you're 18, 19 years old. What did you think you were going to do for the rest of your life? I had no idea. No idea. I was lost after high school. Um, I actually had to rep- repeat grade 12. I just didn't want to go. Did you not go? That's what I was going to say. Did you not <laughs> I go I just did enough? not go. Yeah. I mean, I was, it, it, was that, it was that crippling to me as a kid, like the anxiety and stuff. It's like I, if I did well in social studies, but then all of a sudden my whole year depended on that one thing where I had to get up in front of doing a presentation, I would fail. Like English class and poetry and, and all of that stuff, I would never, ever get myself in a position where people would be looking at me. Ever. It was the worst feeling for me ever. So you sing with these guys. And you said soon you had a record deal offer. Yeah. But how? And yeah. they're, on, they're on your sister's band too, right? At the time, both of those guys? Yeah, my, well, my sister played with the drummer, like, and that's how I met Danny. Yeah, yeah. And So what, is the, what are those steps from you singing for the first time? Because you have to go and sing somewhere now. Yep. And that has got to be even scarier than singing in front of no one. Yep. I had, we had a demo. Um, we had written a handful of songs uh, that ended up being on our first record uh, on like an old ADAP machine. And um, yeah, this has been 1999, late 19- 1999. And 
Wasting My Time wasn't on that one, but a few had. And it was a local radio station uh, contest that was like a discovery thing for local talent. And Jeremy, our guitar player at the time, took a Sadat tape and dropped it off to a guy that he went to recording school with, which was Joey, Joey Moy. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's the connection there. Because the old band um, had opened up for Nickelback and other local bands in the, when Nickelback was playing in front of 15 people. So that was kind of a little, little community there. And so I think Joey told that story was like he, they had that little tape and they took it over to mm-hmm. Chad and then there's like this kid's voice and, and then, yeah, so Chad came over, uh, introduced and just got familiar with him as a songwriter and he came in and, and him and Joey sat in with us and started developing these songs and, uh, at Greenhouse Studios. So this is probably like four months after I joined the band. Were you pl- from the time that you sang with those two guys? Cause again, pivotal moment. Yep. And I just want to go back there for a second. Did they go, dang, you're good? Did they say that and give you confidence? Uh, the guitar, my, Jeremy, we, t- we talked about that after the fact. He was like, he was in right away and we really connected that way. Um, Danny, is, Danny, the drummer, is more strategic, more stoic. He was like, wait a minute, we'll wait and we'll think about this a little longer. But, um, you know, once we started writing and really started connecting, we were such great friends. It just made sense and it worked. If they wouldn't have been extremely positive about, that performance, that vocal, that evening. Yep. Do you think you would have continued? Not a chance. I mean, I, I keep going back to that moment because for so many reasons, it was, again, I use the word pivotal as to you being here right now. Yeah, yep. And yep. those guys going, okay, we believe in you. Yep. Because they put their lives as a, as yeah, teammates man. with you then. Yeah, yeah, man. I, that's a good way to look at that. I never really thought of it like that. But yeah, it's um, it was a very, very pivotal moment. Yeah. So you're mm. writing these songs, and do, when do you go play at a bar or a club or something? It was after we, after we had done the, uh, the demo, like, like I did an independent recording with Chad and Joey. You recorded all the stuff before you ever played it live? Yeah. Wow. I'd never been on stage before. That is crazy. I, I, had, I had never been in a, in a recording booth. I had never, my first time in a recording booth recording something was with Joey and at the helm, and I, I was the first recording that he had done that way. Um, at a that recording is, studio well, and that's been on not the how radio. It usually works, as you know. Man, my story is very odd. Yeah, as you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, and that speaks to like why I didn't come down here and commit a hundred percent to like leaving my son is because that really wasn't that's not my core value was to like I have to do this no matter what no nothing is going to get in my way. It's like no, like <laughs> you know, uh, I started off differently, right? And so, what do you do with that record when you make it? We'll call it a record, the EP, yeah. the the songs that you make. A song called Deny. Um, Which, well, that was a big song too that was a big song yeah, yeah. Mike, can we hear a little bit of it was our here? second yep. single here we go so that was on the first group of songs that was our first like single that that's one that's, that's the first song that Chad and Joey and us had like put together in the studio and put out to the radio station Fox uh, Fox, for their uh, yearly um, battle of the band sort of deal just sonically that in defaults style mm-hmm. your voice especially your vocal with them mm-hmm. it's totally different from the person that you were at the time i mean that's an aggressive boom, you know uh yep. big like hard electric guitars yep and you go from well this is my first time to sing to deny yeah i mean that that wasn't there was a lot of like built up not negativity, but like aggression, angst, whatever that was, it came out. And that's how that sounded. Yeah. Even wasting my time. I mean, that explosive chorus was came out of like anger and frustration, like truly. 
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. <sighs> Did you feel like it could be either recording these songs or it can be your first mm. times on stage that those, well, we can say releases or you that performance that you're giving, did you feel like you were finally freeing something? Did you actually feel full? You know, there's definitely something you feel, people feel when they're on stage. Was that your first time to feel that? It was. It was It was something that I could bring to the table that, that it actually, you know what, it, it honestly gave me a, a way to connect um emotionally and speak emotionally when i couldn't do that outside of song um outside of melody or how i was you know just that aggression and it, it, it that was my outlet i guess really what it was tell you know? me about the first time you performed 
uh, in front of even one oh, or seven people oh, that are paying or are coming for free. Man, yeah, that was in front of a lot of friends and family. Um, but it was it was pretty well attended. And uh, if there was a way that I could hide behind a single mic stand, like I, I did it, <laughs> yeah. I hid behind that thing, and I I was I had a cigarette in my hand, and I must have been staring at the drummer like Danny for half the set, and um. Yeah, that was another pivotal moment, but that that I that wasn't really spontaneous. That I that was chosen by me. It was like I had to get ready for that one. So that was a completely different animal, and I was pretty freaked out. But yeah, every every step, every step was freeing in that way because it was a very, it was a, an absolute first for me. Did you have and do you have stage fright? Um, I'm I'm more comfortable performing songs as a singer than I am with the banter and stuff and and um like talking and doing doing that. Um like I, I can easily get out and do you know big shows, thousands of people and I don't get nervous for it. It's a different thing, but if I'm to sit here and do an acoustic performance in front of five people, it's very intimate and it's, it's very uncomfortable. I struggle with that yeah. in that I can do a stand-up show in front of two or 3,000 people. I can do a radio show to millions and be in person or on a microphone magnetic. Mm-hmm. I can be warm, affable, but one-on-one intimately, one-on-two, I really struggle. Yep, It's almost like the microphone is uh, is, is Superman's gla- – uh, you know, Clark Kent. Yeah. And I take it off and I have my cape then you yeah. know, when I'm performing. And so – was a bit of that, and I would go to therapy, and they would say, well, you, and I would say, well, even though it's real, it doesn't feel real. I know it's real. Yep. Because everything I'm saying is for real, but it's like I'm talking to a microphone, or I'm on stage in front of people. You know, I'm not going to see them at home. And so it didn't feel real, even though I knew it was, and so I was able to get to that level of intimacy. Anything resonate with you when I say that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a dissociation thing, like you get up in front of that many people, and, and I always joked, it's, it's, it, if you're playing in front of five people, they could all think you suck. But if you're playing in front of a lot of people, the numbers work for you. There's probably <laughs> enough to focus on. You can find somebody having a good time. It's just more people think I suck, but yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The numbers are in your favor. But uh, um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a dissociation thing when, when um, you hit that cruise control flow mode where the music just happens and it comes through you. It's, that's, that happens easier in that circumstance as opposed to in front of a couple people because I think you get in your head a lot more as opposed to just letting it happen. What did your parents think about seeing the you that was performing when they knew the you that would really do nothing except go to his room and only sing there and before they got home? Yeah, well, they didn't even know I sang. That was the thing, right? Not even in my room. But uh, they, yeah, they, they, every step, I think even now if you talk to them, it's like every step. Um, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's completely foreign to what I was as, as a kid. Which were, they, is, were they blown away? Yeah, yeah, and, and super supportive, like amazingly supportive. Um, they helped us financially kind of get that, that first demo record uh, up and running um, with Chad and Joey, um, which was huge. So you're performing, yeah. you make the, the demo, then what happens and how, how does it happen <laughs> where a, a United States record label says, let's go, we want to spend money to promote this and promote you? Yeah, well, back in the day, it wasn't, there was no TikTok to find songs and things like that. They had actually the A&R guys uh, out in New York. He saw in... I don't know if it was a newspaper or something what was going on, but they saw that uh, an independent song was climbing a charts in the local newspaper uh, in Seafox. It would, it would show there. And um, I assume he saw it through that. It was nowhere else it would have been. And yeah, uh, 
Jonathan Simkin, uh, who was our lawyer, um, entertainment lawyer at the time and still is, uh, he started getting calls. We got a call from Columbia, who we showcased for. We showcased for Roadrunner. Uh, we showcased for it's a couple others, but but uh, TVT. We really connected with uh, Lenny Johnson, who was our A and R guy, and really spoke to us. And yeah, we ended up signing a, signing a deal with them. But it was via just that 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 demo song that won that uh, radio station in Vancouver. Was it to you? Wow, this is so great. Or was it to you? Oh my God! Now this what the pressure of of a record deal. Now what do we do? Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was very very scary. It was very very scary. The other guys, I think, were more prepared for it because they had played shows and they, that was kind of their 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 thing and what they were already doing. But yeah, yeah, it was um it was very very scary for me. What first happens then? What's stuff. what's the whirlwind that then happens once you're on a big label, or is it not a whirlwind at first? Uh, not a whirlwind at first. It was we got our advance, quit our jobs, drank and partied it away, um, and then we went to Seattle. Uh, Rick Parasher. Uh, who was like a, I didn't know it at the time. I wasn't really into who was, who produced what records that I liked. Um, but I knew he was a Seattle uh, producer and his name came about as a, song, a guy who wanted to work on a couple new songs with us to finish off the, our first record. And uh, so we had written a few songs. One of them was Wasting My Time. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we got sent down to Rick Parasher, uh to produce a couple more songs. And he did Pearl Jam 10, and he did all the Seattle stuff, like Wood, Alice in Chains, uh, Blind Melon. Um, he, did, he did a lot of that stuff. We did work with uh, Cornell. Um, so he was like a dream producer. It was, like a, it was, it was, it was really strange. So it was, so it was like a quiet kid who like, like really, really appreciated that music. That was my music that I really connected to first, outside of my parents' stuff, was the Seattle scene. Same, me too. Yeah, and... and so being able to like go down and work with a guy where you're in London Bridge Studios where 10 was cut, where all those vocals were recorded, it was just a dream come true and very, very inspiring. So it almost felt like I was on a trajectory that was almost fate. Because it was, it was, it's weird to say like that, but, sure. but it was, it, everything lined up. It's like, how is this happening? I, I quietly dreamed of singing these songs and doing this stuff. How am I now working with the producer of this, these records and... You know all the stuff that was going on with Nickelback at the time, and yeah, it was it was really it was strange, man. It was really weird to look back on. You talk about the music that you first like connected to, you know, and for me, where country music was, because I was in a rural place in Arkansas, that was the first music that talked about where I was from. But the first music that I actually like felt, because again, I was a kid who got beat up all the time. Mm-hmm. I was the dirty kid. It was that '90s. I won't call it grunge only, but it was just that alternative grunge. Even kind of a uh, pop rock that came a little later that yep. that that spoke to me as well, and yep. I can't imagine being right there where it all started, right as you were starting as well. Yeah, uh, I yep. think there are probably a lot of comparisons. And I would be like, man, am I am I as good as these guys? I don't know if I'm in the same room that they were. I think I would be worried that everybody was judging me based yeah. on all the greats. Yeah, all, I mean all all the all the self negative things you could put on yourself, right? For sure. Yeah, it's it's a, it was a scary scary environment for sure. But it was Rick was great with us. Um, and he, he really believed in that song, especially like, did you have confidence though at this point? Was it, was it no. developing still? No, 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 no. It was, it was all masked. You know, a lot of it was masked and I'm just riding the wave, like white knuckling it as my, my counselor would uh, describe it. Um, when you're singing at this point, your voice is your career. It, it could be a six month, three year, 10 year career. Mm-hmm. But when do you start to care about your voice? Because 
if you get sick, if you party too hard, yep. if you A, B, C, D, E, F, G, so many things. Yep. Because I'm, you don't have a history of building that muscle at yeah. this point. You don't have five, seven years of singing consistently to build the muscle. Well, I did. I did. Just because alone. Alone. Yeah, I did. That's all I did, man. That's all I did. I, I would, I would like whether it was Pearl Jam 10 or Allison Chain's Dirt or Super Unknown or Bad Motor Finger, that was, that's, those were my vocal lessons. That's, that's how I learned to sing. And um, that, I mean, I think if you look, listen back to what I, my first record, like Wasting My Time and the stuff and Delivery and My Tone, and, and there's a lot of comparisons to who I described as sang along to, especially like the Vetter thing, right? It was constricted, a little more aggressive, um, less bright um, in tone. Um, so when I started caring about my voice, I took a bit of that cr- constructive criticism. That really bugged me at the time. Um, and taking it seriously, I didn't want to let anybody down with the shows and stuff. And I started going to vocal lessons. And then that's when my voice really changed. Good or bad? Good. Yeah. Good. Did you did you learn to sing? I won't say better. That's such a open ended. But did you learn to sing in a specific way that allowed you to sing? Yeah, efficient, pure. Oh, I was gonna say more pure, more efficient. Yeah, your, your true tone, right? It's just learning, learning um, placements, and my range exploded. Um, like I was hitting notes that I wasn't really, I didn't really hit when I was growing up and singing and stuff. Because you were emulating your favorites and not actually focused on finding what you were the best at. Yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand what my voice naturally sounded like. Um, yeah, so I went through that process with, uh, like, on my first, like, big touring, touring, wasting my time and, and those, that, that first record. Yeah. That song, now I was working in pop radio at the time, so mm-hmm. when it came to us, I'm assuming it was put out on, Rock alternative first. It was, yeah. So yeah. it did so well there. They decided for it to cross over. Was that a conversation that you were listening to when they were deciding on doing it, or they just go, "We got to go with this. It's killing." Them. I had no idea what was going on. Right, like, like to the point where the first week of of release, of wasting my time. Lenny, our A and R guy, got called me up. I was in the little place that I was renting, and he's like, hey, "Oh, you got added to K Rock out of the gate." And I'm like, "Is that good?" <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> What's K Rock? And um. Yeah, so all of that stuff was just, we were just along, like I said, white knuckling, along for the ride. And um, it being scary and us being green, uh, it was easy to get caught up into the, you know, the, the we, we, we drank a lot. We drank and partied a lot. And looking back on it, and yeah. I never really, and I'll, I'll catch up in a second, but I never really understood why so many artists would fall to alcohol and drugs until I started to tour all the time myself mm-hmm. just because there's so much time yeah there's 22 and a half hours to fill and there's so much fun to be had well yeah I'm not good at having fun <laughs> <laughs> but you know even going out for four nights in a row mm-hmm. you finish the show go to the bus well you got to fill a couple hours so what are you going to do you sleep as the bus drives you wake up there's all day yeah there's all all day. All day. To just fill with some. Yep. And then I finally started to go, okay, you'd have to become obsessed or addicted to something. Yeah. Okay. You really are, like, when you're, when you're in that environment, you're really faced with a lot of stuff that you haven't dealt with. Like, it, it really puts you in a challenging spot. And um, so, yeah, the, the, the numbing and the self-medicating is, is, yeah. Especially when you're, like, you're talking about three, four days. Back in the day, we'd be doing... Yeah, I mean, it's you six weeks. We wouldn't come home months, four yeah. months. And then we come home for a week and then off for another three months. That's crazy. And just the grind of hitting like the rock radio every morning and doing the two, three stations in the market, the acoustic versions for all of them. And 
Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of a blur back in the day. When did you start to feel that that song had kind of made it into mainstream? Meaning you had to start seeing 15 year old girls in your crowd quick. instead of 32 year old men. Quick. We saw quick. It was really, really, really quick. And the advantage that we had was, um, the whole Vancouver scene that was happening, um, with Nickelback, uh, they had put out a one one or two records, one record locally, and it did okay in Canada. They got their deal at Roadrunner and they released How You Remind Me just after we released Wasting My Time. So they, for lack of a better word, say they, they cock blocked us it, the, over the entire world at rock radio. They were number one and we were number two. <laughs> and we were, and we were on, and we were on tour with them. They took us out on tour. Did you guys get along still? Oh yeah! Did yeah. you remain there, getting along? Yes, where we relationship has morphed over the years and stuff. But all of those guys, um, I see Chad often. Um, I was surprised. We talked to Chad. I like Nickelback, and yeah, I think they've gotten an, a real. I think they got so popular that once you become so popular, yeah. then it's like Coldplay. You can yeah, just insert yeah. whatever band is really takes hold, and then eventually everybody takes hold. So then everybody wants to be like, well, I don't want to be the one. So they got to counter it. Mm-hmm. And Nickelback has suffered from that so much, but always been a big fan. But I never talked to Chad personally, and mm-hmm. we had him on the show. And I was a bit shocked at how nice and how funny he was, mm-hmm. how self-deprecating. Yeah. I thought, holy crap, this is not what I expected from the guy from Nickelback. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, that's Chad. Um, he's not what you would expect. And that's kind of like, I've always, you know, I've always looked up to him. He's that there's there's that group, including Joey and Chief, and there's a whole but there's a whole group of guys from that area that I looked up to. Is they were my big brothers, and they were my Canada, guiding light. When you're born, you say he's your guiding light. Were you born? Do you come out as a baby and lift your right hand and go? I promise to be nice to everybody and be funny and <laughs> great. We got our assholes. We got I, a lot of. I them. never met a mean Canadian. <laughs> there's a lot. I'm of telling them. you, I haven't. There's a lot. We would go up, and because I'm on a bunch of stations in Canada as well, mm-hmm. and Mike and I went into Canada, and we went to Toronto, and we're walking around and. I've got my phone, and I'm looking, and somebody approaches me, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's about to happen here? And they go, oh, I can help. You don't need a map. And I thought I was about to get robbed, but mm. instead, it was the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, it, it can be. Like, Toronto's a really friendly place. Um, there, are, there are some. There are some. I'm sure. Yeah. It's oh, a numbers yeah. game. Oh, yeah. But still, I've oh, not yeah. met a mean one. Uh, French, you fluent? I, I cannot speak a word. Really? No, it's not a thing, man. Like, honestly, in, uh, I mean, I took French grade nine. I think it's, it was a, like a required course you had to take. Um, but no, you can take, uh, you can take any other language in high school up in, up in Vancouver. It'll better suit you than French. Nobody speaks, nobody speaks French in, in BC. So Eastern side though. Oh, the prairies? It's Francais. My, my, my guitar player is from Peace River, um, Alberta, and that's a very French speaking town. Um, so there's those like French communities spread out through the, uh, the prairies. Uh, yeah. Dang. I just expected all of you guys to come in here with uh, no, beignets. No, no, no. Or whatever you call no, them. Eating just, croissants. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort. Little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. 
or like to smell a staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. When did the fault start to, to you or just in general, start to not be as much of a priority musically? Mm. It was, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, um, when did it not become a priority? You know, I I think we lost that really early. Um, We watched, and I, I, looking back on it, it's something that I wish I approached differently, but we were just too caught up in, in the other stuff. But we watched Chad write his second record on the road um, in his bus. He had converted little studio stuff in there to do demos and write. And we didn't do that. We didn't do that. when, And that's when we should have really taken it seriously, but we, did, we didn't. Um, so you did not use the, the momentum no. properly? No, we did not. No, no. So we went into... Like that second record thing, right? When you have your whole life to write the first record and blah, blah, blah. Right? The second record, we came in with our pants down. And honestly, it was probably more me than anybody else. Um, and I th- I don't know if I, my experience with the first record and how it just it just happened, like, and it happened well. Um, I, mean, I think I maybe got caught up in, in like the, this is going to happen again. The stars are going to align. I'm not worried about it. We'll get in there and make magic happen and stuff. But in reality... 
as you as you get older and learn and watch other people do it it's put the put the hours in at the time and you got to work for it no matter what in, in fact that's the time to work the hardest were you surprised that it didn't work um i don't know i think once once we were in the studio and recording the second record i think i think the vibe was different i think it was more negative more negative i think it was yeah towards each other uh, a little bit of that yeah i think just being on the tour on tour so long and us you know we were friends before but we weren't roommates um for months on end so there was there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't dealt with and um resentment here and jealousy there and you know just workload and just yeah just it gets it can get ugly you know so i think the benefit of where i come from and when i came from is very similar to you and that I grew up again in a rural part of America, but I had digital. I had Napster. I had. <laughs> I was able to be influenced by everything. And mm-hmm. I grew up. You grew up in a very rural place. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a rural place, so country music was a part of our lives. Your parents, my grandmother, my parents. But at the same time, in the '90s, I was very much into alternative music. All of it. I was into hip hop. Yep. And I was able to have all of this influence because of the ability just to get it. I mean, that was it. Mm-hmm. We were the first generation to be able to just get the music we wanted when we wanted it. Yep. And so because of that, similar to you, I, I've worked everywhere and it been absolutely um, authentic to who I am. When I was doing alternative radio, I was doing sports. When I was doing hip hop or pop, that was always who I am because I believe you don't, and you aren't just one lane of a person. We as people aren't just one lane. Of course. You're not just Dallas from default. You're also Dallas who grew up in the area, influenced by the music that you were influenced yeah, by. By everything in life. Yep. So, and I want to get to just how dominant and how great you are inside of country music, but what was that in between before you decided, now I'm going to go to this other passion of mine? Mm-hmm. Because default had to end, and then did it really end? Like where you tried, and it was like, this is just not going to work. Like, yeah. what was that to go from A to kind of A2? Yeah, so we had the second record, didn't do as well. Um, we had the third record, didn't do as well. And then we had a, what was the third record? Oh, I don't know. But anyways, we recorded a record that um, we really, really believed in. It was mid-late 2000s. Some great songs on there. Wrote, written with Marty Fredrickson and Zach Malloy, who I know are here. Um, and our record label, like, two weeks before uh, we had a release date, uh, went filed for bankruptcy, mm. and so we were in limbo with that Ish. for a good year and a half. And during that time, uh, we had discovered, as he was cashing his checks, cashing our checks to him uh, on his deathbed, we were being robbed, blind by a uh, business manager that was re- uh, recommended by our management team at the time. And so, not only we were we were like destitute. We 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 as a band had gone down. The other side of it, uh, label was bankrupt. We had this great record we're sitting on. We had uh, uh, the Canadian government coming at us hard, like like the IRS here. Yeah, man. Yeah, CRA. We had um, we have GST tax, which is like you get it and then you remit it to the government, right? And so, as an American uh, accountant, he just wasn't. He was taking the the GST and not remitting it. And so we had like a man. It was like four hundred thousand dollars staring at us. And with that, you can't hide it with a corporate thing. You can't just hide it and get rid of it that way. It's personal. They go after your house. They go so after okay. Anything. You can't just have a part in this, but default the entity 
go, we're going to go bankrupt here, not owe it anymore. No, no, it was personally. We owed that taxes uh, personally, Holy all of it. Crap. Yeah, yeah, man, it was ugly. Divided three ways? Divided, th- divided four ways, yeah. So each of you guys owed six figures. Yeah, we were staring at over $100,000 each. Oh, my God. And we God. were broke, and we had kids, and um, the business had chewed us up and spat us out, right? We had some residual stuff, obviously, that kept us afloat uh, a little bit with um, Wasting My Time and some shows that would come in every once in a while. But it was like, where is our future in, in this? And where is my future in this? So what do you personally decide to do in, while this is happening? And do you have a, is it your wife? Do you talk to your wife? Are you like, we're in trouble? What happens? Uh, around then, I, I, I split up with my wife. Uh, we had split up, yeah, mid-2000s by then. Um, and I was pretty lost. I was very lost. So I didn't really have anybody to talk to really about it. Um, but I, I would go, I mean, this kind of gets into like the Joey thing and how, and like, like how, our first trip down here kind of happened. And that relationship still existed. I'm sure you didn't see him a whole lot though while you were out, did you? No, no, but he was always around and we had like done some stuff with him and Chad, like recorded a, like a song here and there. Yeah. Um, so we had always kept in touch and like, like Chad would, is a super generous guy to come into town and invite us everybody, everybody out to a steakhouse for a dinner party and go out and have fun and stuff. So I'd see him, you know, occasionally go to a hockey game or whatever. Um, but yeah, like, like at that time we were doing the occasional show and Joey and I had talked about our mutual, not, not we were going to wanted to go to Nashville and do it, but we were talking about like country artists that we liked and, um, and our mutual like for that. And, and uh, there's one, another pivotal moment for me, like at that time we had joked about going down, I guess, going down to Nashville and, and making a record. And I was on tour with Three Days Grace across, we were like an arena tour across Canada, Three Days Grace, like still living a dream in some sense, right? Like being able, having that opportunity and doing that. They have a, I hate everything Oh, they got tons. Oh, yeah. yeah that, um, that's right yeah, band though. that's okay, the right one, yeah. Um, and I was miserable. That was the most miserable I had been. I was out on the road, lonely, um, still drinking. Uh, and I, I, we had just played in Quebec. It was Montreal, great show. And I messaged Joey, just miserable in the back of the bus, uh, country record, question mark. And two weeks later, we were down here writing with Wiseman and and uh, and, old, and and Rodney Clawson and all them. So that was um, that was a pivotal moment, him and I. But that, well, that that's where I was in that in that stage with default. It was just we were we were afloat. We had this huge debt and no way of like it was dead endish, right? It was I knew that was kind of the end of that. And then my my message to Joey was like, if I'm going to keep doing this and keep doing music as a living. It has to be something that I want to be, that I'm passionate about. And I'm not passionate about this anymore. I'm in a different stage of my life. And I had seen classic rock bands, like the mid-level ones come and go throughout the airports. In, and there's nothing, like I'm not, I'm not negative about anything like that. It's just, that's not how I wanted to, it's not music to me. I wanted to keep creating new music and have it be a constant conversation, not go out and do the odd classic rock gig, you know? Did you um, feel like you could write music based off how lost you were, the pain that you were going through? Obviously, you were then through a divorce. Could you, in the back of that bus when you're by yourself, were you able to put any of that in the song? It, it, it came out more with how the delivery of the melody was. So it came out more like that, how it, how it felt as opposed to what it was saying. Um, so lyric was always a last, a last thing. Do you write melody first? Um, I've always been that way. Like I, I've come down here a few times, like a really like a, originally when Joey and I first came to do some writes, and some of the co-writes that I had done made it on the first record. But like the whole writing style about 
it, it was completely foreign to me as as a kid in a garage writing the other way. It was freaky for me because you're with people. It, it, was that the style like doing co-writes? We would just we would just jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it would be, right? And 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 we would piece it together that way, as opposed to, you know, yeah, coming down here. It's not. not it's obviously it's it's not a not a surprise. It's quite different down here. Was nine to five, and you get in the room and you write. And it's very uh, intentional. Um, so that that freaked me out, and it was so foreign. And it's just not how I work, right? It's just that it just wasn't. And you know, a, a byproduct of me not being down here is that I haven't really worked that muscle a whole lot, and I'd I'd like to in the future. Um, you know, have more cuts on my own records and, and, and like, um, get more in a creative, uh, mode from the, from the ground up with a song. When you leave Nashville after your first trip down, how many days were you here? I think two, three weeks. We spent a lot of time down wow. here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So when you leave, what was the feeling? I was inspiring. I was, I was, uh, I was really proud of, um, like the, yeah, just being in that, that opportunity and having that, that, uh, that go well. And making the connections because we we had a great time with Seth England and uh, when Seth was just uh, was pitching the songs for Craig and meeting everybody all the writers Chris Tompkins and and Rodney like I said it was it was a uh, a new inspiring group of people and watching Joey just do his thing too I mean he's just like I said him being a big brother I've always um he's just been inspired by his ability to just get in there and just fucking do it you know there's there's I know Joey has everybody has their own self doubt and their own stuff but he just gets gets his foot in there and does it. He just does. When you're now Dallas Smith, the country artist, or Dallas Smith, the, I don't know, not default Dallas Smith, mm-hmm. it's a change. I mean, you're your own. It's just you now. Was that, it all, did some of that stuff kind of rebubble, resurface from the very beginning again when you didn't feel as if, or was it like, thank God, now it's just Dallas? Oh, for the stuff now? Um, when you first started, because again, it's almost new, and I have friends who have gone from being in groups yep. to solo, and at first, and this it, it may not be your story at all, at mm-hmm. first they're like, this is going to be great, I'm going to go solo, but then you get up there and you're like, wow, I kind of don't have anybody to rely on oh. other than myself, and now it's my name too. Yeah, yeah, that is an adjustment for sure, and it's, it's a constant adjustment, just coming my background and my personality, right? Me being, um, yeah, I've always, I've always been comfortable with a group of, uh, that was my thing, right? It was, we were all front and center in the band and that was just the thing where now, yeah, it's, it's just me doing the interviews. Um, so just me on stage, sort of, I include my band a hell of a lot. Like I got a really entertaining, awesome band that helps lift that, uh, that weight off of me a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a constant thing. Like I've always looked up to like guys like Keith Urban. I mean, he's been my guy, like, as far as like a guy who can play and sing yeah. and entertain, like who it doesn't matter who's around him, you know. I've always that's that's what I strive to be. But any anxiety before you go out for the first time as just you, sonically, it's a bit different. The instrumentation, you singing the songs is a bit different. You're the same person, yeah. But any anxiety there as you're about to launch into the Dallas Smith part of your career right around that time? There was anxiety before the record was out, because um, I had always heard like the country. We, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. A country doesn't like outsiders coming in. And I mean, me too. I heard the same thing before it, I came here. Yeah, yeah, of course, right? And and I think you know, at that time, I, I was really, I, I was, the record had come out at radio and out the gate, it got a lot of support at Canadian radio. Like, first, first single? Uh, Somebody Somewhere. It's one of my, one of my favorite ones, uh, co-written by Dustin Lynch. It's just a, um, it's a banger of a song. It did really, really well uh, out the gate. And 
Um, yeah. I, I got a lot. I got, I, I got a little sidetracked there. What were we talking about? No, I was just talking about when the first song comes out. Yeah. It, it sounds like, though, you had major support early. Yes. And that yeah. actually was that it, boost. It, it, it helped, right? So, yeah, that, that's where we're going. But it, so by the time I was playing shows, I had some like afternoon slots. I had a really talented band behind me that I was friends with. Um, and I really, really believed in the songs. I really believed in the record. I, I, had, I had been through the process of making records and knowing how they feel um, and, and how they feel to you when you leave the studio and how connected you are to those songs. Um, I, had, I had big belief in, in them. If you're playing a set now, do you play any of the default stuff? Yeah, we play Waste of My Time, yeah, just acoustically, me and the guitar and maybe my guitar player. Yeah. Was there ever a stage where you didn't want to do that because you were separating yourself from it? It's never that guy. That's awesome. It's hard to not be, but it's... I mean, Darius is a great example of that, right? Yeah. He always played the Hootie songs. Yeah. He was like, I am who I am. And it's, honestly, that is what it is, right? That's my journey. My, my story will speak differently to... Yeah, it's just... It's just yeah, that's my journey. I'm not a... I'm not a I, I will speak... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm shy. I'm very internal. But I, I, I have no... I can wear my heart on my sleeve, like, really easily. Yeah, that, that, that song, I'll always enjoy playing it. I, I will. Is always. it to you a bit, I'll just go weird, that basically there's just a line that separates the two countries and you will sell out a, an arena. <laughs> you will have tens of thousands of people go watch you at a show in Canada and you drive down to Iowa and they're like, I don't know who this dude is. Why are you named Dallas? You're Canadian. <laughs> that also <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's it's um it's 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 changed like when i first released jump right in in 2012 i mean streaming I mean, records were still a thing i mean it's sure it's, it's, streaming was pretty so it was, it was harder to get any sort of access down here but it's become like honestly by the numbers i have more listeners than i down here than i do in canada ticket the, sales though ticket sales yeah yeah i mean, t- I mean i've seen pictures of your shows and they're, I mean, it's crazy. I, I have amazing fans up in Canada yeah. and amazing support up there. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I feel like, honestly, man, like going from the default stuff and going through that ride of like financially and optically and just like emotionally with that, with that ride, being able to uh, resurrect that song and play it in front of that many people in a, in, and have a second career, you know? Yeah, it's, I feel so fortunate. It's so few people that get to, they get to uh, have a rebirth, um, learn from your mistakes in that way uh, in the music business. It just doesn't happen. You know, so I'm, I'm still very fortunate. I ask about the ticket sales and because there are pockets of where we are where, I'll just be honest, if I go out, I can't go anywhere without people taking pictures of me. Mm-hmm. But there are certain parts of the country I can go to where nobody has a freaking clue. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm just another dude. Yep. And some of my friends will be like, is that weird that you can go to Vegas, people will be crazy, like, Look at the, oh my God, let's get a picture. But if you drive, you know, four hours and I'm in LA, nobody gives an absolute crap. It's pretty awesome though, isn't it? It is. Oh, I never thought I would love it, but I do. Yeah. I used to be like, man, this sucks. I can go like, no, but now it's like the greatest is to just go somewhere and go, ah, I don't have to worry about anybody recording me swimming with no shirt on. Yeah. Cause I'm embarrassed in my body. Yeah. yeah you you know? can just be yourself just and be not my- have to worry about those distractions. Yeah. 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 It's, um, my, I, I like I, speaking about how fortunate, like Canadian famous. I can I go to the grocery store and my I shop like just down the street from my house and stuff. Like I I can go anywhere and I'll get a message on Twitter. Hey, was that you at Costco? Like it's pretty it's pretty rare yeah. that I get I get some 
But I, at the same time, I, I don't have any really, besides like some tattoos and stuff, if I have a sweater on, like I don't really have any distinct features. <laughs> if I take <laughs> you know my glasses I mean? off, I'm this most generic white guy you've ever seen in your yeah, life. Yeah, right? So yeah. It, it, it just... It, it put sleeves on you and these glasses, you're me. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah, here you go. <laughs> but it, it, if, if you go looking for it, you can find it, right? If yeah. you want it, yeah. If you if you want it, want that. But it's I'd um, walk around wasting my time. Uh, that's I mean, me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you ever heard that song? Yeah, yeah. You ever go to like the grocery store here or a gas station and you hear your music over the top? Yes. Or uh, Outback. Wasting. Uh, oh. You hear it over the top? Yeah, I, I hear it all over the place. I hear a song called "Count on Me" was a, a song that we had on our third record. It was a, a song that got played a bit, and uh, yeah, deny I'll hear. And yeah, it's it's. It's pretty funny. When it comes to the CCMAs, mm-hmm. I mean, you're Garth Brooks. You're the greatest. Uh, you're the greatest. I'm telling. Just I'm just looking at numbers here. You don't don't answer it because you have to say, oh, that's not true. Forty four CCMA nominations, seventeen wins, Entertainer of the Year in nineteen twenty and twenty one, twelve number ones, twenty four top tens. You've sold six hundred thousand concert tickets. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's like I'm talking to somebody that's massive in a K-pop band, and I just have no idea <laughs> the kind of royalty I'm next to. I don't have that wallet. I can I tell mean, you that. <laughs> did you? Were you able to pay back the government? Yes, we were. We were. Yep. yep. Well, I bet that felt. Yeah. I won't say good, but I bet it felt like there was a big old backpack that you're able finally to go and get it off. Yeah, and honestly, man, it was. Uh, yes, um, having everybody all off on a clean slate, all of us, all four of us, it was a good feeling. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer, and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. What do you love 
about touring now that you don't think you appreciated back then? The process of it. The process. What does that mean? The message thread of when we're going to meet at the airport and just the friendships. Yeah, I'm surrounded and I've surrounded myself by the most amazing people. That's super important to me. Um, I was surrounded by some great people uh, back in the day, but now I'm surrounded by some fucking really, really good, like all crew. Everybody's great. And it's a big family. And that, that the show is the show is the show and the show is going to be better um, because of that camaraderie and that friendship and that process. And that I, I love, I love like the guys, my crew guys and, and uh, my band guys they are my brothers. And uh, yeah, that's, I, that's something I re- really appreciate and love and take from this the most um, where I didn't in the past, where it was, I allowed my insecurities to be jealous about this and, and just all of that BS that you, you don't realize about yourself before counseling and therapy uh, get in the way of that stuff that you should appreciate. And there was a lot of things, a lot of opportunities that I didn't take advantage of and didn't appreciate because of that stuff. Are you a guy that believes a lot of that happened just so you could get to this point? Maybe a little bit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a long game thing. It really, it really is. And this is about, it's not about me having a castle. I don't care. I really don't. Do you have a castle? I don't have a oh castle. Oh my God, do you have the castle of Canada? I, yeah. Is that <laughs> we just find out now he's, like, he's got a moat? Yes. Yeah, like I throw and hit a, hit a cow with a rock from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's always been just the journey and um, development and just, yeah, just challenging myself, honestly, and just trying to learn about myself <laughs> and learn the way things, why, why the way things were and why it was that way and just trying to grow and be happy and, and, and my records have changed from angsty to, you know, a lot of fun. Um, do you pick, write, perform songs now at all influenced by being a dad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, Sky Stays This Blue is a song. I mean, a lot of them do. A lot of them do. Even stuff like uh, the later default stuff. Carson, my son, was was younger and a, and a real big guiding light for me as far as what was important in life and s- certain songs started sprinkling in um, the later default records. So it's always, it's, yeah, it's always been a thing. Were you named after a guy that played for the Boston Bruins? I was. You really were? I were, yep, I were. I did not, I thought that was just going to be a stupid question. You were going, no, no he's not going to have the same I name. I actually, actually have one of his hockey cards in my, uh, on my dresser in my bedroom. Does everybody assume you love hockey because you're Canadian? Yeah. But it's true, though. It's one of those stereotypes. It's, it's pretty true. Uh, I've got some, like, I've got some friends, artist friends, even, that just, they, they couldn't give a shit about hockey or anything. They don't just, it's just sports artists. in general, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, sports, I get that. Yep. And I know nothing about hockey, and I have a friend that plays for the Preds here. Is it Duchesne? It is uh, Roman Yossi. Oh, okay, yeah. And I don't know anything about hockey. And when I met him, they were like, he plays for the Preds. And I was like, that's cool. What position? He told me, and I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, like, he's a stud. Like, yep. tell me. And, well, and now I know he's a stud, but I don't know. I think he's a defenseman. Yep. He's a defenseman, right? Yeah. And I'm like, do you get to score? Like, I don't know anything about that. I'm a big mm-hmm. sports guy. I do, a, I do a sports show here in the States. Mm-hmm. But did you play hockey at all as a kid? Street hockey. It's an expensive sport to play. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up in... You know, not a lot of extra money going around. So if instead of uh, ice hockey, we played street hockey. And I was in like softball, baseball leagues. And I actually, uh, usually people bring this up to make fun of me and it it, it usually works. But uh, I was actually in bowling as a kid too. That was that was one of the, I was a, uh, I won silver medal at the BC Games, the Olympics. <laughs> 
<laughs> is bowling bigger? Uh, maybe it's not even bigger, but it's cold up there. So you, there's only so much you can do outside. Man, honestly, our 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 climate is um, let's Seattle first of all. It's it's just a lot of rain. But you, in in North Dakota, you're gonna be, you're getting a far more Canadian experience than I got. Really, and I've just, been, even the accent, yeah. right? It's it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty strong and cold. It's not like that where I am. You can really? go, no, man, I, I, I've literally, I've, I've golfed like New Year's Day, Christmas Eve day, and then I can go the same day, go up and go skiing and go whale watching. Well, that is unfair. It is. I just assume you're living in an igloo. It is not an igloo. 365 days a year. No, we're, like that's like a hundred mile radius right there in Canada along that border and along the islands there where it doesn't turn into an icebox. Everywhere, everywhere else in Canada is a complete frozen icebox. I mean, people assume I'm married to my cousin because I'm from Arkansas. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. there are all these stereotypes that we have. And I'm not confirming or denying that I am married to my cousin. But At least not first cousin. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, A Juno. Is that a Grammy? It is. Yeah, it's a Grammy. Yeah. Yep. And why is it called a Juno? Do you know? I don't uh, even know why Grammy is called a Grammy. Has I asked that question? A, a gramophone, right? That's the Grammy thing, right? Uh, you know, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, I, I, learned, I learned that late, learned so don't, don't feel shame. That makes all the sense in the world. That's The trophy is a gramophone. Yeah, but, I, but, what, is a, but what is a Juno? Yeah, I, yeah that's a good what question. What is a Juno? Uh, I, I really hope I don't get roasted for this, but I don't know if there's any really direct correlation like that to... I wish I knew just to throw uh, in your face. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. Well, duh, I can't believe I you didn't know. I set it up on a tee for you here. It's a secret. I actually can't tell you. It's uh, a secret. What, uh, when you went to Juno, pretty cool? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, What's was, the shape of the Juno? It is a statuesque figure. The one that I have has a little metal thing wrapped around a statuesque figure. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not a, an igloo? It's not, it's not, no, not a, a, no, it's not an igloo. <laughs> I guess it was named after the first chairman, Pierre Juno. So probably like oh, that's pretty selfish. Videos, well, no, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. yeah. What do you it's think? all about you, but I think this is a star or a, a fossil. That's right, did you know? Um, I want to play a clip of singing in a beard. Mm. Here you go. So why this song? Of all the songs as a single, why this one? Man, it's hard to put a finger on what just kind of releases that chemical in your brain, tells you you like it. Yeah, it's a bit of that, and I, I've um, I've gone a couple ballad-ish songs in a row. Uh, one two with Mackenzie was a completely different feel um, from from this one. This is just more just straight, just play at the bar, have fun. Good festival song, yeah, just a lot of fun. You ever do karaoke? <laughs> I uh, not really, not really. But I, I one time after a, um, a it was in Victoria, so just across on the island, uh, Victoria, BC, kind of a home show. We went to we played for Nick with Nickelback at the arena. And then went to the bar afterwards, and there was karaoke going on. And some guy got up, not knowing I was there, and started singing "Waste of My Time." That's so they, funny. So I got to do that thing. Did you do the thing? I did the thing, yeah. But I got made fun of afterwards because I ended up looking back at the screen, looking at the lyrics while I was singing. The song. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like a true chump. Yeah, it was pretty. It was did the guy fun. know it was you after the fact? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I walked up and took the mic from him, like a yeah. That's oh, I did funny. the whole thing. It was, did it was you fun. put that on the internet, dude? That was like YouTube didn't exist. That was 2002. Okay, well, next time you're here, I don't know when you come back. I'll do some karaoke. Yeah, but absolutely. We should go do it and just go like we're karaokeing and you perform that song. Yep. And then we'll watch. You crush it. He gets up and he sucks and everybody, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, that's fun. Singing like that default guy, not that, like that Dallas fun. guy. Yeah. So what is it? What, what do you find, what's fulfilling to you at this point in your career? You've done a lot of things at the highest level. Mm. So what is it now that kind of fills your cup? Fills my cup. Personally and professionally. Professionally is, is um, 
you know, I have no, I have no things that I must aspire to, to be fulfilled. I, I really don't. I, I, I obviously want to keep growing um, and keep building my audience. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that way it's just, I, I want to speak and, and touch people through my music and inspire and all those things, invoke emotion into people through, through the records that I put out. Um, uh, have it be a bit of the soundtrack to their life like I had those records growing up. And, and that's ultimately, you know, it goes back to seeing somebody sing those songs back to you. So you, you that's, that's a connection that I never would have made otherwise. And I get to do it on a grand scale. Um, and for somebody that has a hard time getting to connect to people on that level, that's such a great thing. It's per- knowing that that happens. Personally? Personally, it's, it's family, dude. It really is. Um, I want to keep growing as a person, become a better husband, better father. Um, and I want to, I want to, um, I share just experience that I've had in my life and help people. And, um, you know, the big loud guys have given me an opportunity to have a side label with my partner, Scott Cook. So we've got, it's called Local Hay Records. So we're able to, um, you know, bring under a young artist, Sean Austin is a guy that we've, we've signed and he put out a song with Chris Lane, uh, last year, um, so like, you know, that kind of stuff is, has been a lot of fun. Um, that's kind of professional, kind of personal, because I get to make those connections with those artists and like kind of share the personal sure. experiences, you know, and how, how the music business can be. Um, does your son sing? He, he, yes, he doesn't though. He's, he's, um, sports and a uh, great lacrosse player, um, Guitars have been around my house his entire childhood, and the only time he's really ever I've, he's picked it up was when he was like three. And he, I still have the guitar; I still play it live. He took a ballpoint pen and on this nice guitar I got from Australia, and just <laughs> <laughs> I never got it fixed. I never got it anything. So, yeah, but it's always been around, but never really. His, but I, he's starting to get into poetry. I I do know um, the uh, uh, girl he was he was seeing um, his girlfriend and. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's probably a little bit uh, like me. I don't pick up the guitar at home and play. It's just I, I listen to music and stuff, but I don't. I, I sing goofily, like I sing along to, with my kids and stuff. Um, but it's not like it's not like here's piano lesson. It just never was. I just I want him to be to to just not force anything on him and whatever he likes, he likes. And he just never really picked it up. But I think it might be something that he deep down I think does want to do a little bit I gotta talk to him about it alright three questions and All right. we're gonna call it because we've been here for an hour it's been fantastic for me I'd keep you for two but here we go uh, in your house what yep. is your favorite picture oh there is a picture of um it was early on in this part of my career I had just started dating my wife Kristen super supportive um and we were doing the photo shoot for my first record and sort of like a rural part of BC in the middle of BC and sort of desert-ish. And there's a picture of us um, on the road, uh, really long road, sort of looking down it and we're just kissing, leaning in over the, the center line and just giving, giving each other a kiss. And that's one of my cherished photos. I got that beside my bed. And um, There's something about the photo that just had, it just captures our energy that we had at that time. And um, yeah. It was, it's just a really good memory, yeah, for a lot of reasons. Ever been in a room, social, professional, but it's not being recorded, there are no cameras, no TV, no radio, and somebody that you admire just picks up a guitar and starts playing and singing a song, and you're like, holy crap, I cannot believe this is happening right now, this is so cool. Mm, yeah, I got to watch um, uh, Chad write um, Far Away, 
so far away. Yeah, he'd sort of pieced that together and it was in its infancy and I saw him writing words down and he was, uh, it was just him and I. He just, I don't know what, the, I can't remember the circumstance of why that was, but he, yeah, he just picked it up and, and what do you think of this? And started picking apart at it and stuff. And yeah, that was the, that was pretty cool. So you co-wrote that, that's what I hear. I got no points. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's going to be, um, this is the final question here as we wrap hmm. this up, like 2023 for you as we get into it. How is this year? What is this year? What's the what's the idea for this year? I don't want to say goal. Yeah. But what's the idea for 2023 that maybe is a little different than any other idea for any other year? Uh, well, I mean, the Canadian experience with the pandemic was pretty, uh, it was long. Um, I think you're starting to see touring coming back finally. It's starting to come back now. Um, so just playing, playing lots of shows and getting back to that, bringing the music live. Um, that was gone for a long time. Uh, so that, I'm really going to enjoy that, playing the festivals up there. And then new music out in like spring, you know, out in time for the festivals, uh, including the song you played there. One, two will be on that record. Uh, Hide from a broken heart was a song um, released as well. Be on that, and just yeah, just grinding it out, man. I hope to with the opportunity with Big Loud and being on on the label proper now, and um, with Lloyd and Big Loud and uh, Greg Thompson being management and stuff. It's stars are aligning a little bit, so. I'm hoping that we can bring some more music to more ears and yeah, me too. Yeah, it's that's yeah. I hope to uh, hope to be down here a lot more and see a lot more of of everybody and you as well. Yeah. So you like the singing in a beer song? I do. Pretty good one. Yep. Well, Mike, let's add it to the countdown. Okay. We'll play it on the national countdown. Sweet. We'll add that. And because I like it too, I think it's, it's wait, wait, wait. I got to get clearance from the yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Well, if they say no, <laughs> let me know. Until then, we're gonna go with okay. until you tell us we can't. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, and just when you come back to town, let awesome. me know. Come up and you know next time. Next time you decide to come down, bring a guitar. Yeah. Come play the stage on the morning show. Yep. We'll make a whole deal. I'm a fan, dude. I I I can break out some of those old default songs, um, and run through a couple just like. Whatever you, know, you want to do. Flagship songs through my career, yeah. I think it will be great, and I think it will be really cool for my audience to hear you perform. I mean, because, again, I'm a fan. I know. I've heard with my own ears, but I think it'd be really cool for you to do it. So next time you're down here, yep. you let's make a point. Yes. Stay. Come do the morning show. Okay. We'll do a whole deal. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I appreciate this opportunity, and I appreciate that invite. That's uh, that's huge. I'll forget I invited you as soon as you leave, and I'll forget who you are. I'll remind you. I'll remind you. I'll make sure I got your number somehow, yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys follow at Dallas Smith Music. Dallas, I've really enjoyed this, man. It's been, yeah. for me, this has been a real treat because, again, I've just enjoyed you in so many different capacities and I love what you're doing now. And I said it before I even you were even here. So I didn't say it for any reason other than it just came to my mind. I was talking to Joey and other people. I've been like, man, he's so good. Like, Thanks, what's the deal? And so if I can be a minor part of that deal happening here, that's a win I, for me. That's, that's, that's huge. And like I said, um, it it's really is an honor to be able to come on a show like this and be able to tell my story I mean, I've got a long, unique story that involves, you know, some people that you know and other people know in different bands and stuff. And to be able to get up here and tell my story is really, it's a, it's a great, great opportunity. So thank you. All right, there he is. Dallas Smith, everybody. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovis.com. 
T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.